Coffee with the Coastie is brought to you by On the Coast Publications, the publishing house for On the Coast families and On the Coast over 55 community magazines on the central coast of New South Wales. Welcome to Coffee with the Coastie. Today we have the pleasure of sitting down and chatting with country music singer and central coast local Courtney Kyle. Courtney has been singing since she was nine and in 2020, in the midst of it all, released her first single, I Just Wanna Hold You, which secured number 15 in the music network Country Hot 50. And then with everything still going on in 2021, went on to release her second single, Hummingbird, that went to number 29 in the music network Country Hot 50. Since her first two singles, Courtney has continued to release hit after hit and having had the privilege of listening to her debut album, The Good Kind, I'm not surprised. So it is gr with great pleasure that I get to sit down and chat with Courtney today. Welcome, Courtney. Hello, thank you so much for having me for a chat. That's all right, thank you for inviting me. I've read uh, that you were born in Ad the Adelaide Hills mm -hmm. on a deer farm, and then I believe you've lived in both New Zealand and Melbourne. Yep. <laughs> uh, before making your way to the Central Coast. What brought you to the Central Coast? My music brought me here, but you know, being born on a deer farm, I was destined to be a country singer, really, when you look at it that way. Uh, but music, I, I've been lucky to live in Melbourne, which was beautiful, Auckland when I was really little, but um, it was really when I came up to the Central Coast for the first time in early 2020, uh, 2016, I think it was, that I, fell in love with it and knew that it was such an incredible place for music, especially country music, that I thought, hmm, maybe I'll live here one day. And, you know, it took me a few years, but here I am now. That's cool. So I didn't realise until after researching you how much country is on the Central Coast, to be honest. I oh, was a bit amazing. ignorant to it. To oh, it's quite the hub. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And it's something I've only learned over the last few years is how many people are based here. And it's like, everyone I speak to it was like, oh, I live, I live on the Central Coast. I yeah. live on the Central Coast. And I was like, what is with everyone living there? And I still don't even know the answer why, but I think it's got something to do with the beautiful beaches and very temperate weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's cool. As mentioned in the intro, you released your first single, I Just Want to Hold You, at a time in 2020 when things weren't exactly normal and all our borders were closed. Some may have even thought that creating a musical collaboration wasn't possible. Yet you did it, nearly everything remotely from each other. What was the inspiration to push through and make a song come together in that time? Well, it was challenging. Uh, and probably the biggest thing is I quit my full-time job in February, 2020 to go full-time into music in 2020. And uh, I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> so when the pandemic hit, I was meant to be heading to Nashville to do some recording and writing and things like that. And that trip got cancelled 48 hours before getting on the plane. And yeah. within a week, we were then in lockdown. So it was a bit of a rocky start to what was going to be my music year. Um, but really, after the dust settled on all of that, I went, you know, I've got to do it either way. That was the goal for the year. So you know, get on with it. And thankfully I had um, incredible people around me to support me through that and encourage me to keep going. I, you know, I've been working with Central Coast native Rod McCormack, my producer for the last few years. And he uh, just said, okay, well, we'll just get on with it. Let's do it. We'll just do it on Zoom. We'll still work with everyone. We'll make it work basically. And then we didn't really look back after that. We just rolled with it. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting how you got pushed into it, basically, like <laughs> quitting in February and there's no turning back. It's, yeah. I, really, I think it's really the only way to do something sometimes. It's, 
Yeah, they say burn the boat. Yep, rip the Band-Aid off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, wow. Looking back at this time on your Instagram, you created a post that captioned three things people have said to me as a musician during the pandemic. Apart from it being a very positive and good vibes (laughs) clip, one of your answers was, people need music now more than ever. Mm. I wondered, was it that thought that helped inspire the release of the second single, Hummingbirds? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think Hummingbird came at a really important time with everything being so negative in the world and the news was always, you know, something bad happening. That when we did a bunch of writing in, in during 2020, we started writing Hummingbird and I didn't really like the song at first. It's really funny. It's one of those songs that we were writing it and then I went, oh, uh, it's a bit cheap too cheery and chirpy like I'd kind of hear it and think oh I picture Snow White with you know the seven dwarfs and birds chirping around it's very positive you know which was very negative at the time of course um but once we finished the song and I got to start recording and we kind of did a little demo of it I went oh actually maybe I do like it and maybe that's the whole point of this song is to get people to look at the good focus on the positives and I guess spread love around when at that time people were separated from loved ones. There's all sorts of bad stuff going on. So it was, it was very timely and as much as a reminder for everyone, a reminder for me as well. That's right. Cause I think I read somewhere that acoustically you didn't like it, but then when you heard Rod yeah. put everything over the top, yeah, I, it's I, changed it. It did. And, and that's one of the cool things about when you get in the studio, it can completely change the song. Yeah. You know, it can be sound so different in your work tape to where you finish with it. So it, it, I think as well, it was a good reminder for me to keep an open mind that when you write a song, that doesn't mean that's how it's going to end up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny to admit that I didn't really like one of my songs that I ended up releasing, but it's the truth. <laughs> and there was almost, I think, you thought, I don't remember seeing, was there any hummingbirds in with the clouds in the video? Yes, yes, we video? did have some a little hummingbird yeah. edited into the clip as well, uh, just to... You know, keep yeah, it yeah. keep it fun and light. It looked like a fun clip to do. Oh, it was so much fun. Um, I've got to work with another Central Coast local, Duncan Toombs, who's mm-hmm. such an incredible videographer, seven-time Golden Guitar winner for his music videos, musician, uh, and he basically comes up with the craziest ideas. Whenever I do a video with him, it's like I'm picturing you sitting in the clouds, and I'm like okay, how do we do that? And he's like, I don't know, but I'll work it out. You know, he's the type of guy, he gets an idea, he runs with it, and it always is, is really special. But I remember seeing that, it was cardboard cutout in yep. the middle. Yeah, yep. cardboard cutout. Then we had all this like, you know, from Spotlight, got all this like foamy, you know, pillow oh, stuffing, yeah, exactly basically what, what you yep, use, yep. you know, to stuff a pillow. <laughs> had all that, you know, put around me. He painted a whole backdrop blue. It was, it was really incredible, the, the work he put into it. And I went, oh my gosh, I see it now. Because at first I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. But, uh, you know, It's he, interesting that the different creatives together, yeah, like so someone like yourself with music and mm. maybe, but then someone else that has the other creative mind that is video and that mm. side of it. Oh, and he is such the visionary. He will yeah. see it. He will think of an idea. Another one of my videos, he's like, oh, I'm thinking we put a piano in a forest. And I'm like, oh, I would have never come up with that idea. Is that always first? Uh, that no. was Where Does All the Love Go? That's, yeah. yeah. So we dragged a 
piano that he found on Facebook Marketplace for free oh, yeah. uh, and dragged it into the middle of a little forest and, and filmed in there. So he always has something incredible. And th I, I'm not as much the visionary when it comes to that side of things. I'm like, oh, I'll work out what I wear and things like that. But the actual set and storyline, I'm like, I would rather you do it because you are the expert. I'll yeah, do my yeah. thing. I'll do my music. You do the stuff that you're good at. I'd rather let him run with it because it's something I wouldn't come up with. Yeah. And it's just fun. It's fun seeing you know, other creatives get to really tap into that side of It would be of fun working with someone like yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. After watching your music video, I just want to hold you. It's not completely surprising that your career has taken off since then. And I think it's obvious that there has been a lot of work and dedication over the years prior to that release of that song. Um, knowing that you started singing when you were nine, can you talk a little bit about your music journey from the age of nine to the release of the, your debut single, I'm Gonna Hold You? It was a long journey. That's a quite, it's quite a lot of time between and I didn't intend for it to really take that long to <laughs> release my first single. But, you know, I grew up loving music and from a very early age knew I wanted to be a singer. There was never a doubt in my mind. It was like, as a kid, I was like, I'm gonna be a singer. That, it was yeah. just, you know, I knew that that's where I was gonna head. It was just more a matter of how and when and making it all fall into place. But I spent a lot of time in my teenage years developing my songwriting, you know, skills and things like that. And, and trying to work out, I guess, where I fit in music as well. At first, I was very pop focused. You know, I loved Katy Perry and, and you know, that kind of early mid 2000s of pop music. And for a long time, I thought that was the direction I was going to head. But uh, I very quickly in my mid teens, fell in love with country even more than I already was. I listened to a lot of country growing up and, and things like that. So it was never foreign, but I just hadn't really thought about pursuing it myself until, you know, I had some friends that were like, you sound pretty country when you sing, you know? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, and, and once I started writing more, it was very evident that my songs were very country tailored, very, you know, story focused and things like that that um, you know, I then had to kind of find my way through, work with the right you know, songwriters and producers to then find my sound and hence why it took so long to finally get a single out, you know, fast forward ahead to 2020. Yeah, yeah. So at what, what age do you reckon you were when you actually went, I know country's actually my thing. Probably I would have been maybe about 16, I'd say. I grew up listening to country. I went on horse riding camps as a kid. Yeah. Uh, my dad's mum was a country singer in, in South Australia yeah. uh, back in the 1950s. So it's always been around me. It, it just, I, I think I probably sounded country before that and my songs, but I just had never really put two and two together. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it wasn't until I was about 16 that I really started embracing it more. I then, when I was 18, went to the Academy of Country Music at Tamworth, uh, which was just an incredible experience. And that was probably one of the moments that when I got there, it was like, oh, this is totally where I'm meant to be. Mm. Why have I been like, you know, spent so much time avoiding it? And mm. it just felt so right. And I think, you know, when you're in the right place and where you should be and it, you know, still was a, a journey from there, but it just seemed a lot more effortless and doors open because it felt like I was finally following the right path. Yeah, it's funny how that happens mm -hmm. when, like, when you're actually on the right path, things seem yeah. to fall into place. You're like, oh, wow. Ah, who would have thought? <laughs> is there one particular thing that sort of fell into place around that time that you're like, oh, yeah, this is definitely it? I, th I think probably going to the academy was, was a big thing for me because after that I came back and it was just more probably having my goals a lot more 
focused in on, on, on country music, but over then the next few years, just consciously deciding to head down that direction. I got to head to Nashville and, and kind of the last probably four years has really been so many opportunities that mm -hmm. I would never expect would come my way. Like, like moving up here, for example, that was, you know, since moving, it's like all these doors have just opened because mm. sometimes you just have to say yes and go, I'll work out the rest later. And it's amazing then, you know, what comes from that. Yeah. Love it. So on, on that, yeah, I'd, I'd read that you all, I read that you've said you always knew that m the music industry was a lot of hard work, sweat and tears, and that what stuck out to you the most is that you need to have the right people around you and build your circle. You have managed to build your circle with Gina Jeffries as your mentor, Rod McCormack as your producer, along with many other talented artists. How did you come to meet Gina, Rod, along with many other talented artists to build your amazing circle? Once again, being at the right place, the right time, and, and just these moments that you, you don't expect. I was working with an awesome couple in Melbourne who are producer and songwriter um, duo, and I went over to Nashville in 2019. And the wife, uh, who was a songwriter I'd been working with, she came over for the trip as well. And she goes, oh, I've, you know, I've met some really great friends. I need to introduce you to them. You, you should do some work with them because they're very country. Um, and we got to Nashville and Rod happened to be in Nashville at the same time as us, which was first of strange coincidences, shall we say. Uh, so I got to go meet Rod along with some of his really great friends who are now some of my co-writing buddies, Templeton Thompson and Sam Gay. They're the loveliest people. They live in Nashville. Um, and, and we just hung out for, for a few hours and then I was getting ready to fly back to Melbourne and Rod happened to be on the same flight from Nashville back to LA and then we all flew back to Australia within about an hour of each other as well. So we got to spend a lot of time together and he was kind of saying, oh, like, what are your goals? What are your dreams? What do you want to accomplish? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to work with you. You know, let's, you know, get in touch back, back home and see what we can do in it. That would have been March, 2019. And I did not get back in touch with Rod until December that year. <laughs> Which, A, I was a little bit intimidated by him because he's such a great producer and musician that I was slightly terrified and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. Um, but then finally, because I was working in another industry at that point, it was just chaotic and I came to the realisation at the end of 2019 that it was time to, you know, move on from that and just really make 2020 my music year. So, so it took a little while to, you know, get in touch with Rod, but once I did, he, you know, was so welcoming invited me up here to, to Terrigal and, and got to visit his studio, which is in Erina. And that's when I met Gina for the first time. And we just clicked instantly. She's, she's been such an incredible mentor to me the last few years and getting to songwrite with her, just spend time together and really learn from her incredible career has just been wonderful. And she's such a dear friend now, well, both of them really are. So it's yeah. been, been amazing. So what, if you didn't know Rod, before you met him in Nashville, what took you to Nashville at that time? Well, I, that was kind of in the era of me diving right into country music and being like, I need to go to Nashville, like Nashville's. Yeah. So it was sort of as a holiday or not well, really a holiday, yeah, a working. Like a, 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 Nashville's the country place to be. Yeah. I've got to go have a look at it, you know? So I went for the first time in 2018 uh, and saw that there was a songwriting workshop on and I thought, oh, why not? I'll go 
check it out, see mm. what it's all about in Nashville because I've heard so much about it. I'd watched the Nashville TV series and by that point was just like, I bet you I'm going to get there and realise this is where I'm meant to live and everything, which didn't happen. I got off the plane and was like, okay, yes, yeah, it's, it's an amazing place, but, you know, let's not jump the gun <laughs> a little bit. But uh, really the 2018 trip was just an intro to Nashville and then I decided to go back again 2019 to go back to that uh, songwriting workshop, which was run by um, NSAI, which is an awesome songwriters organization out of Nashville. And it was just really me just deciding to give it a crack, you know, try mm. something new. And if I didn't go, I would probably, I would have met Rod at some point, but it's all those little things that line up. And, and that was just one of those special moments to think now, quite a few years on, it, it's been an incredible journey. And what do you think made you, stopped you from ringing Rod back between like February, I think you said 2019 <laughs> or 20, yeah. yeah, 2019 through to December? It, it was just, I was so stressed in my other job. I was working in motorsport, which I loved, um, absolutely loved it, but it was stressful and high workload to the point that, you know, I was not doing as much music as I wanted to be which I just didn't feel like I'd done enough work to then call Rod and say, I'm ready to record. You know, it was one of those things that I thought, oh, okay, that's not, a, not now, not now, not now. And then finally, by the time I got to the end of that year, I went, no, this is ridiculous. You, you, your music's your number one. It's time to get back to that, you know, and kind of bring the goalposts back to, mm. to where you're actually aiming for. It's hard to think that, like, having listened to your music, that you actually ever felt like, Oh, it's not polished enough. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's very fascinating. A lot of that is Rod's polished. magic. That's yeah. A lot of that's Rod's magic. He's an yeah. incredible producer. Uh, but also he, he's spent a lot of time with me to really develop how I want to sound as an artist and yeah. pull in all the influences I love. I especially have connected to 90s country, like growing up listening to Shania Twain mm. and Faith Hill and people like that. So we've tried to kind of use some of those influences and when we write songs, be very intentional about what we're writing. So none of the songs that are on my album are songs that were written pre-Rod, you know, they're all in the Rod era or we call him the Rod oh, Father. Right. We wow. like to call him the Rod Father because we think he, he knows everything musical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, hopefully we get to hear one day, we get to hear one of the pre-Rod era songs. Oh, I don't know. We'll Some... get Rod to polish it up, maybe, if that's how you feel it needs. Some songs, I think, are meant to stay in the drawer. Once they're written, <laughs> they get put in a drawer and you don't look at them again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. From your experience, what would be one piece of advice to others that are seeking to find and build their own support network? I think start small. You know, it's quite often people that are already around you, you know, whether it's family members. I've been lucky to have parents that have been super encouraging of my music. Um, you're always going to have the people that are your friends or your family they're a biased person to have in your corner. Yeah. You know, they're always going to love you. You need those people that are going to support you and love you no matter what you do. Um, so it's good to have some of those people. Then it's great to find people that are going to give you honest opinions and, and really, you know, try and guide you and direct you with your best interests at heart. And I think when you start getting your circle too big, people are always going to have opinions. People mm. are going to think you should be doing this or that or shouldn't be. And I think it's, it's super helpful to keep it to an intimate number of people that you really trust and go, okay, if they're saying that, maybe I should think about 
that. And of course, no one is going to know always better than you. You've got to go with your gut and work out what feels right. Mm. But um, I think it's very important to have those people that you do trust their opinions and their thoughts and advice, like having Rod and Gina on my team to be able to say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you done this? Or mm, maybe don't do that. You know, it's, it's, it's super important, I think. And I think that's only come about by you taking action on your own. Yeah, I think so. As, as a musician and anyone pursuing anything, really, I think you've got to take ownership of it and you've yeah. got to really um, pursue the opportunities and the avenues because at the end of the day, it's your life and your career. No one's going to do it for you. So yeah. you do have to be the one to initiate it, but take the help when it comes as well. Yeah, yeah. Your song, The One, is about your grandparents. Let's pretend is a song about a vulnerable conversation with your mum and you've walked the Kokoda Trail with your dad raising money for Beyond Blue. Your family obviously has obviously had a big impact, um, a big and beautiful impact on you. Can you speak about the influence your parents have had on your music and on you as an individual? Absolutely. You know, I don't think I'd be at this point of my career without them because I really am so grateful to have such support because I know not everyone has that. Uh, and especially musicians, not every parent's dream is for their child to be a you know, suffering, struggling musician in their early years, you know, but um, they've, they've always been so lovely and I, I owe a lot of where I am to them because to have that support and that belief behind you in the, the days where you're not really feeling it, they're there supporting you my mum's going okay have you thought of this let's do this i found this festival or you know there's my mum's a real researcher so she'll find all the info and and say you need to do this you need to do that you know so half the time you know the stuff that goes on behind the scenes really is credit to them <laughs> so yeah i'm just very thankful <laughs> yeah yeah and, and can i touch on like so I, i've been to png for work and everyone i've ever spoken to yeah. has gone kokoda that's tough. Ooh, yeah. How did you end up in um, doing the Kota Trail and, and raising money for Beyond Blue? It was uh, an incredible experience. First and foremost, really special to get to do it with my father. He did it a few years before that and it was always something on his list of saying, I'd love to do it with you one day. And I'm like, I'm not really a fitness person. So mm. maybe. <laughs> um, but then through his work at the time, they were involved with Beyond Blue and fundraising for mental health because they had a plumbing and electrical franchise that in that industry, it was a really big, big problem for mm. a lot of the franchise group staff had, you know, whether colleagues, they'd lost people to suicide and, and just overall, I think culturally people not wanting to talk about how they're feeling as much. So they were involved with that. And I thought, well, maybe I could do Kokoda if it's for a good cause at least, because then it will remind me why I'm doing it. Um, I did try to quit out of it once while we were in the training. I was like, nah, I'm not doing this. No way. That's training still in Australia. Yeah, still, yeah. still in Australia. I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. Uh, and then obviously I still got on that plane and we, we went over and, and did the, did the trek. It was just a very full on experience, but amazing. Like reflecting on it, I feel very, very lucky to have been able to do it, go over and, and learn. I think so much about the history of what's gone on there. Mm. And at the same time, while I'm struggling and having a bit of a mope around and whinging, remembering that soldiers had been through there with, you know, bullets being fired at them, having malaria and all sorts of things. Much that worse conditions. Really changes your perspective very quickly when you're having mm. a bit of a 
complain. Yeah. <laughs> so it was incredible. And, and to be able to do it for Beyond Blue and be able to use that as a talking point uh, and, and to be able to, you know, just keep, you know, that, that as a focus, for, as a reminder to talk to people and check in with your friends yeah. and check in with your family was, was, was a perfect partnership to get me, get me to do it. Do you mind if I ask how long ago that was? That was in 2015. All right. So, so it was a few years ago now. Wow. You're quite young. Yeah, time, I think too. I was 17 maybe at yeah. the time. Um, so it was, it was a, a lot to, to experience. Take on at 17, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a hiker. I'm really not. So it was, it was quite. Well done, Dad. Was, <laughs> yeah, Dad, Dad got me through it. And I'm, he, he was, you know, he did so well. Yeah. But it was so special to do it with him as well. Yeah, know, To yeah, do no it doubt. as a father-daughter duo was pretty cool. Yeah. I've seen pictures of you wearing Pink Floyd and In Excess shirts. Um, what kind of music did you listen to growing up and, and what inspired, which you sort of touched before, but what inspired and drew you to country music? Well, thankfully, my parents both love all genres of music, really. So I had a very diverse musical upbringing. We were listening to the Eagles, which they'd be a big, big influence. I loved, loved listening to them, but we'd also be listening to a lot of Aussie classics like cold chisel or mm. the angels or you know we had had so many different albums like i remember as a kid nora jones was someone that i'd listen to you know i'd be having a nap in the car and we'd be driving we'd be listening to her or pavarotti like it was oh, very wow. diverse that yeah. i've just grown up loving music first and foremost so it's never been a genre thing for me uh but then obviously yeah as I mentioned before shania twain her you know prime era was kind of when i was growing up so mm. for for her to be someone that really you know has influenced me is without a doubt you know she's she's just incredible and i got to see her live a few years ago and it was like one of those full circle moments of being like oh my gosh it's the shania twain <laughs> you know so it, it, i'm very lucky that i have a love for music that i can just try and draw on things from all over the place oh i should mention fleetwood mac obviously they were one of the uh, yes. biggest influences and albums that i've absolutely worn out rumors was yeah, incredible yeah. so still do wear it out <laughs> yeah well with, with any luck there'll be a shania twain courtney oh, that'd be good that's Imagine pretty that. cool let's put it out there let's put it out <laughs> you there. gotta put speak it out things there. out yeah. yep absolutely you do have to speak things out. <laughs> when you're writing songs do you write both lyrics and melody and can you tell me about your songwriting process and if it's changed over the years? It's definitely developed a lot over the years. I think early on, I'd kind of just write the music or I'd just write the melody or, or, or you know, one at a time. But now I think that I've found how they go hand in hand. I find I naturally am drawn a bit more towards the melody. I find that's like I'll be humming and that's where the ideas might stem yeah. from. Uh, but I really love co-writing and that's where I've found a lot of um, really great growth for me is watching other people write and seeing their approach and mm. their um, ideas, how they come about. Uh, so if anything, that's probably my favorite way to write is with other people. I, I still enjoy writing on my own, but it's something that is, is really cool when you're in a writing room or on Zoom as now pretty much all my songwriting sessions are on Zoom these days. Um, it, it's really cool because you might come up with an idea which then someone else will get an idea from that and you kind of can spitball back and forth and that's when some really cool things can come about because it's 
if you take an idea that started out really small and it grows so much bigger than you could have ever expected because mm. someone else puts their touch on it. So I've really, really enjoyed doing that a lot more over the past couple of years. And how does that work in that environment? Like, you know, like obviously with the melody and the lyrics and does someone just throw out a tune and then someone will throw out a few more words and then like, and is, yeah. it, is it sort of just bounce around like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when writing with Rod, my, my producer, he is such an incredible musician. So he will always have his guitar there. So he might have a little guitar riff that he's come up with or yeah. some chords or, or something that will kind of start things rolling. Um, you know, cause I think as well, it's nice to have a little bit of a idea of the direction of the song of what, do you want it to be fast? Do you want it to be slow? Is it a happy yeah. feel or a sad feel? And, and things like that. So it is handy when you've got someone there that's either playing a bit of, you know, a bit of something to, to get things rolling. But then other times you might just come in and say, I have this lyric idea. I've written these verses down or, or I had this chorus idea. What do you think? And so often it's, it all just comes from conversations you're talking about and going, oh, it's a bit like when that happens or, oh, one time this happened to me and then you go, oh, that's a really good idea. Let's, let's go down that path. And it ends up being a bit of a, like a rabbit hole. You go down then you go off another way. And, yeah. and sometimes you come back to where you were in the first place. Other times you end up, you know, miles away from the first idea. So it's, it's quite, quite cool, but you just have to be open and let what's meant to happen, happen. And so I think I read that the one come about with you, Rod, you and Rod in the car talking yeah. about your yeah. grandparents. That's right. Meeting or... Yeah, exactly. I had come up here and Rod came down and picked me up from the airport in yeah. Sydney. And, and yeah, we just somehow got onto the topic of my grandparents as we were driving and we got up here into the studio and he's like, hmm, maybe we should write a song about that. What do you think? <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah, let's do that. That's a great idea. Uh, and, and really a lot of songs start that way just from, you know, chatting. So if you put the lyrics, say that in that instance, right? So that's, there's, a, there's a concept on the lyrics. Where do you start on the beat and the melody for something like that? Because I'm assuming. Yeah, it, it, it can be tricky. Sometimes you just go, that feels like it's going to be yeah, this, this or yeah. not. But sometimes what I like to do is if there's a song I really love at the time or, you know, when making an album, you might go, oh, I need something that kind of feels like this. You'll listen to a, another song and go this tempo or I really love the guitar feel in that. And that yeah. quite often is what we'll do when you start writing a song, you'll go, okay, we want it to kind of feel like that. Yeah. So keep that in mind when you're writing, you know, yeah, so it, yeah. it's really good to look at what other people do, yeah. not in any way as a copying way or anything. It's how you it know. makes you feel. Yeah, like it's that feeling, you listen to it and, and kind of go, okay, that's the idea. We want to accomplish that type of feel. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of my songs, Little Heartbreak, we uh, kind of used uh, a song by Leanne Womack from the, from the 90s called Man With 18 Wheels. And it's a, it's a really cool classic country song that I just loved, like the really roaring guitar. And I was like, I need a song like that, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we kind of use that as, a, as the idea and base to then go, okay, we want it to sound really classic country, lots of guitar and, and things like that. So it's good to have reference tracks. <laughs> there you go, cool. Um, you posted a photo showing you at 16 captioned, 16 year old me, would be so amazed at how many cool things have happened in the next happened in the next nine years. What's the coolest thing that has happened since that photo? Oh wow, that's a 
that's a tricky question. I th- probably give us a couple. Then doesn't yeah. have to be one. <laughs> I thought I didn't want to. Ha- I didn't want to make you have to talk for ages. So I said one, but you know. Well, the overarching thing would probably just be the fact that I actually am living my dream mm. and being, you know, completely in in music. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that is really great to think that back at 16, I was hoping that, you know, I'd get there and be, be doing music full time and, you know, getting to tour and record. So just the fact that I am doing that is really amazing. Mm. But within that, there's been some incredible moments. Like I got to yeah, sing the national anthem at Bathurst yeah. for the supercars, which was really cool. And uh, getting to tour with Gina Jeffries last year and Tanya Kernigan got to do some awesome shows with them at festivals. And you know, they're, they're the moments that stand out that you go, wow, they're, they're really cool. You've got to pinch yourself a little bit that you're actually getting to do that stuff. Yeah. It's really special. So um, I'm very lucky to be getting to work with people that have been my heroes and, and things like that as well. So it's, it's, it's um, been an amazing decade nearly. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. And, and what do you think when you look at that photo now? Like, how do you feel? Like, when you look back at that 16-year-old you, like, what do you hmm. think? It's kind of uh, feel, yeah. It's kind of say. a cool thing to look back and think like, oh, if only you knew yeah, what yeah. was coming. You know, it's kind of like an excited thing of thinking, wow, like if that Courtney knew what was going to happen in the next, you know, nine years, she'd be amazed. She'd have a bigger smile. Yeah, she'd look even <laughs> happier. Like yeah. you know, at that point, I was already really, you know, trying to pursue my music, but yeah. at that time, it kind of can feel quite far away. So I'd be like, mm. don't worry. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. get there. It's gonna be. You're gonna get there. It's gonna be alright. You know. That's um, right. But yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool to reflect on on you know what has been over the last few years. Yeah, thinking back, back on this your 16 year old self, um, can you share what 16 year old you was like compared to now? And if you could speak to 16 year old you, what advice would you give her? Well, 16, I was still in school. I was being bullied it was not not a good time in my life i hated school really really did not feel like i fit in there and and mainly because i knew i wanted to pursue music i knew i wanted to sing and i was like i've already outgrown school like what am am i doing Mm. here when i already know what i want to do and girls can be not very nice in your teen years it was it was a very you know challenging time but thankfully i had my music to do outside of school so i had my you know safe place uh to to do the things that i love so really you know the advice i'd say is just keep keep going like if i could Mm. go back and tell myself it'd be like don't worry about all the stuff that's going on don't worry about all the rubbish at school Mm. all short-term stuff in the scheme of things you know and it it was when i i left school at the end of year 11 and went and studied music for a year instead of doing year 12 and it was like oh my gosh school is not the end of the world you know when you're at that age you feel like that's the be all and end all of everything but it's not (laughs) Yeah. No, and I, I read something um, somewhere the other day about like how if only they could focus school away from grades and more mm. about learning. So yeah. therefore, you, if you wanted to learn, like it's, it's more about the learning than exactly. the grades. Exactly. And encouragement um, to do what you love and find what you love, I think. And mm. I'm lucky that I knew what I wanted to do, but mm. it was still a, not, a, not an easy time. That's for sure. No, it's, it's not for mm. many, unfortunately. Over the last nine years, you've had a lot of successes in both songwriting competitions and topping country charts. What moment over these years do you feel has had the biggest impact on you and why? 
I think probably one of the biggest things would be working with Gina Jeffries. Having her in my corner and supporting me has been really helpful to have someone that actually knows what I'm trying to do and knows what you're going through. Uh, so having mentoring with her I, for, for the last probably two and a half years, most, most weeks I'd have a, have a session with her and that's just transformed everything because it's taught me to set goals out and really plan ahead to what I want to do and, and just yeah, have someone to kind of hold your hand through the process because mm. it can be a little daunting when you, you're trying to pave the way and do something new and you're kind of guessing most of the time winging it. Um, so to have someone that really understands it makes a huge difference because as much as it's lovely having you know your family and friends to support you but it's nice to have someone that really knows knows what you're trying to do so that's been probably one of the biggest biggest turning points for me yeah mm. what about like so i know i read like i can't remember what the song was but like you wrote you you uh i think you won a songwriting competition in 2016 so that was yes. some time ago and yeah. then you you've been top 40 in some other songwriting competitions mm. for your first single i believe yes um and and then obviously with your music itself with the songs itself over the last two years has, has featured i think not only on international charts but like number one on australian country mm. music itunes charts yeah. um what about all of those little pinnacle little one-off you get that phone i don't know how you find out about that stuff right i've got no <laughs> idea but like when you find out about those moments and you're like oh wow it's oh, yeah. It's like, which which wow. one of those is there any one of those or two of those particular moments that really like shocked you and made you go wow no this is like I... all of them oh uh, yeah okay, <laughs> all of enough. them because I, as a as a songwriter you don't do it to be on charts you you know that's not the reason why you release music but when okay. it happens you're like oh my gosh this is really cool like yeah. people maybe actually like what I'm doing you know it's it's for me it's more an encouragement than than anything else it's like oh okay people are responding to what I'm doing and people are connecting with what I'm writing and and it's just really cool like for iTunes when I've had a couple of number ones there now and it's really incredible because that chart it relies on people actually going and buying a copy of the song so that means people are going out of their way to actually go pay and buy a copy of my song which mm. i don't take for granted you know that's really yeah, that's right. quite yeah. cool um but then you know when i got the email about the vander and young songwriting competition that i was a top 40 global finalist was like oh wow that's crazy you know wrote this song back in 2020, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, and then all of a sudden people are hearing it and connecting with it again. It's, it's just, yeah, very surreal, um, but truly just an encouragement for me to keep going and keep, keep forging the path ahead of, you know, mm. writing and, and trying to develop even more as a songwriter. And to think that song come about because you threw yourself in the deep end at, in February, and it's mm. like August, I think it was, or something exactly. like that, that you released the song. Yep. It's, it's been That's pretty wild to look back on and and even you know at the time of when my trip to Nashville got cancelled and everything like that and the world was blowing up it was like oh I don't know how I'm going to do this but mm. it all just keeps rolling you know yeah. and I think it's the biggest thing I've learned is to just be flexible and go with the flow because you just never know what can happen it's 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 pretty exciting really yeah because some cool things have happened <laughs> That's right. it's really cool it does look like it it does look like it the more I looked into your life I'm like it's come a long way. It's, it's cool. cool. It's, the last two years oh. has been, for everybody else, it's, you know, stood still for some of us. And, you know, yeah. for you, it certainly didn't do that. Just tried to embrace it and take the time. Being in Melbourne during the lockdowns was challenging. So it was like, well, I've got all this time. I may as well use it, you yeah. know, whilst watching a lot of Netflix and eating way too much food. You know, at the same time, it was like, nah, well, 
I asked for it. I wanted full time onto music. Here it is. You know, locked down for six months. <laughs> That's right. What a time to start. Um, and then you said to you, the food, I did like to cook. So mm -hmm. obviously you had plenty of time to cook. Oh, it's so much time to cook, too much time to eat. That was the problem. <laughs> and only one hour allowed outside to exercise. It was yeah. not the best balance, but you know, you had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> With all the inspirational people that have crossed your path, what is the best piece of advice you've been given and who gave it to you? Gina gave me great advice very early on when I met her and she said that as an artist, you like a jar of Vegemite. Some people like Vegemite, some people don't like Vegemite and that's just part of life, you know, and it was just something like, you know, as a writer, not everyone's going to love your song. They're not going to love you. That's just part of it. But a lot of people love Vegemite as well. Some people like it a lot and lather it on. Some people only have a little bit and that's enough. And it's a bit like that with country music. Not everyone's going to want to listen to every single song, you know, in their, their iTunes or Spotify library is going to be country. Yeah. But if there's a little slither in there, you know, try and make sure it's you. <laughs> so you'll have to take a jar of Vegemite to Nashville. I think so. Get everyone yeah. liking Vegemite. Everyone have some. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I can't look at Vegemite the same now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, maybe lastly, but what advice would you give a young 9 to 13 year old that's just starting to develop a passion for music, but is a bit like yourself when you were younger, but just sees the, the opportunity of making something of it so far away? Mm. I think the, the big thing is listen to all music I think you know if you can get a broad knowledge of music that's going to help you a lot and it's going to take you a long way and just more in your music education you can sit there and listen to classic albums you can you can you know inform yourself about music in general which really helps uh, but at the same time it's just sticking to it if it's what you want to do you got to find a way to make it happen. You just keep going, whether it's just sitting down and writing a song or learning some stuff on piano. It's all those little steps that really end up being the big, big steps when you look back is, is spending the time to work on your craft. And that is something you can do even when you don't feel like any opportunities are coming. You can keep writing, you can listen to it or read a new book or listen to a new album. And that all really still is helping you in the long term. You know, yeah. I don't think, I'd be where I am now with my knowledge if I didn't listen to lots of music. Like that's what people say and I've heard so many other artists and producers say, just listen to a lot of music, bit of everything and yeah. you'll be amazed how much it makes a difference. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think it's sometimes funny like I'm quite a bit older than you are and looking back now with where life takes you, you're like, huh, lucky I learnt that mm -hmm. or lucky I listened to that. Otherwise, yeah. when at the time you're like, this is a bit of a waste of time. Like, what yeah. am I doing this now? Exactly. Absolutely. And, you know, as much as I hate to say it, those piano scales or vocal scales, keep them up. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. might hate them, still do. But <laughs> it's all those little things, they make a difference in the long run and you just got to keep going with it. Find yeah. a way to make it work, really. If it's your dream, make it work. Yeah. <laughs> Knew it wasn't going to be the last question because I thought before, what instruments do you play? I grew up playing piano first, well, singing first, yeah. piano second. Um, and then I play guitar. I don't promote that I play guitar because when you're working with people like Rod or other incredible musicians that are genuinely guitarists, yeah. I don't go near the guitar. Yeah. Um, but Rod's and Gina's son, Jackie, has been teaching me to become better at guitar. So I, I can play it. I just don't use it that often <laughs> in front of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, Courtney, thank you very much for your time today. 
Um, if there was anything else you wanted to share about yourself, by all means, <laughs> if not, um, well, I just really look forward to seeing your debut album, um, The Good Kind, out in the world. Uh, as I said before, I've been lucky enough to listen to it and it's very good. If anyone would like to see or hear more of Courtney, go to CourtneyKyle.com or simply search Courtney Kyle online. And that's K-E-I-L. Yes, it's a doozy. Because I know, <laughs> I looked, I was like, no, it doesn't pronounce it. Nope, it doesn't. It's German. It's old school German. It's a, it's a tricky one. I thought about changing the spelling or my stage name and nothing felt right. And I was like, well, hopefully over time people just know. <laughs> oh, look, if you search Courtney Kyle, there's only one of you. Exactly. There's no, there's exactly. no or multiple Courtney Kyles online. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks Courtney. Thank, Thank you, you so much, I really appreciate right. it. Coffee with the Coastie is brought to you by On the Coast Publications, the publishing house for On the Coast families and On the Coast over 55 community magazines on the central coast of New South Wales.